0: do you know that our God is a loving God? And on that uh, particular track, I want to just, uh, you know, switch gears here and remind you that if God is love, then He expects us to be that way as well. Can I have a better amen than that. So I want you to start with me over in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to talk about the marks of love today. There are things that if these marks are in your life, you're on the right path or track when it comes to walking in love. Not just saying that I believe in a God of love, but I personally have taken on that mantle to be God's love extended through my life to other people. In Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 14, and Paul is praying here, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven on earth is named, That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And listen to these words, that you being rooted and grounded in love, say that it would be powerfully, that you you, being rooted rooted and grounded grounded in love, love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. He's saying here the fullness of God, of course, is love. And he's telling us that we need to be rooted and grounded in love. You know, even the people of God seem to be rooted and grounded in various things. You can be rooted and grounded in all kinds of pursuits and all kinds of values, but God's people need to be rooted and grounded in a thing called love, which means you have to understand what love is and what it's not. And you have to understand every dimension of love. Not just the fact that God loves us, but what is our role? What is our responsibility? And how do you know to whom much is given? Much is required. Raise your hand if you think God has loved on you. it doesn't stop there? To whom much is given? Much is required. We then are people that like our Father, are filled with love because we're grounded, we're rooted in love. And if you are, you're going to bear the fruit of love. Can have an amen? Amen. So let's talk about this for just a moment. There are three dimensions of being rooted and grounded in love, three dimensions of that love. And the first one we covered in much detail last week and the past Wednesday nights, the first dimension is simply that you have got a hold of the fact that God loves you. It's life-changing. I can't give that to you. You have to get that through the Word of God and by revelation of the heart of God. You can do nothing that will make God stop loving you. You have to, as we mentioned last week, you have to actually conceive the love of God, that you can see an inner image of expectation in your heart. You have a picture of the reality that God loves you. And second of all, you have to actually what believe the love, as the apostle John said. I believe it. There are a lot of people that yeah, I know God is love, but I don't really think or believe He loves me. That's the problem. If you don't believe God loves you, you're going to live in a manner consistent with that belief. But boy, when you believe God loves you, it changes everything. I've often said this, you um, know, I mentioned to the to this you know church on several occasions that. There's a, there's a thing that I think brings health spiritually to all of us, and that is this, a deep-seated desire that you don't want to disappoint Him That's right. because He loves you. That's right. I stayed out of a lot of ditches uh, growing up because I did not want to disappoint my parents. That's right. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And when you know how much God loves you, you have that same mentality. I don't, I don't want to disappoint the very one that loves me the most. So I, I have to believe the love and then I have to receive the love. And we talked about the reality that in the spirit realm, it's not your arms and your hands that pull things out of that realm. Like in the physical realm, my arm, my hand here opens up, you know, holds this Bible up, and that's how you're doing that today. But we pull things out of the spirit realm with a spiritual mechanism of words, your words. You know, with words, you actually got saved. Yes. You believed in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you said with your mouth Jesus is Lord and the Bible says in Romans 10 10, confession was made unto salvation salvation. the greatest miracle you will ever experience in your life aren't you glad you're born again today aren't you glad you're part of the God family amen (laughs) aren't you glad your name's written in that book are you glad he's preparing a place for you glory to God and all that happened because you believed in your heart and you said with your mouth and everything changed So what I'm telling you is, it's time to stop going around questioning God's love. It's time to be aggressive in confessing that God loves you. You get up in the morning on the wrong side of the bed, go ahead and say, God loves me. If you got up next to the person that got up on the wrong side of the bed, tell them God loves you. Knock it off. (laughs) You go to work and you got some traffic, God loves me. First thing on Monday morning, they hit you with five crises that aren't your fault. God loves me. You're at a drive through ordering some food and you forgot your wallet. God loves me. Amen. And then drive off. Amen. <laughs> All through the day, you're confessing the truth that God loves you. Say it with me. My God, My God. the Most High God, God, El Elyon, El Shaddai, El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Amen, loves me. Watch this, well, the most powerful being in the universe loves you but that's just one dimension of love the second dimension of love is where we love him oh i love the lord i love jesus jesus i love the lord jesus said if you love me you'll keep my commandments it is completely useless to say i love god but i don't love him enough to do what to do what he actually says So I have to have a revelation that God loves me, but also have an understanding that I'm supposed to be reciprocating that love to Him. Say, God loves me, but I love Him. him. To the extent that you're doing what He tells you to do with the revelation that you have of His will and the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life, to that extent you're actually loving the Lord. Jesus even said this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? So say, God loves me, I I commit... To love, to love Him, but then there's a third dimension, and this is where the problem is. <laughs> if it's just God loves me, Hallelujah, uh, I love God, and I'm going to repent when I miss it, but I'm going to endeavor to obey Him, and I'm going to love Him, no problem. I'm working on that. But the third one involves turn to your neighbor and say, "You, <laughs> I." God loves me. I love God. The third dimension is that we love people. And I can hear in the Spirit four or five of you saying, uh, can we just skip to the altar call right now and just <laughs> blow past all this? <laughs> Say it with me. got to love people. you got to conceive, believe, and receive God's love. You've got to love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and your neighbors yourself. But it starts with loving God, and we understand that involves doing what He says, but we must love people. This Scripture over Matthew 22. Let's read the full context here from verse 34 to 40, Matthew 22. And I want to, before we get into the marks of a person that loves, let's talk about the different categories of people that we're supposed to love. Anybody you know anybody at all in this congregation anyone is it possible there's someone that's hard for you to love? Three of you <laughs> The rest of you all need to repent <laughs> Let me try that again. Anybody here has somebody that's tough to love <laughs> Oh no brother art I've mastered this I <laughs> People never rub me the wrong way. Well, that's easy to fix because I'll probably rub you the wrong way before the end of the day. So praise the Lord. So hearing that, Jesus said silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with his question, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your mind, your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Everybody say the first one. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch this. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Say it. Loving God, loving, God. loving, others. loving others. Say it, is. loving God, loving, God. Loving, people loving people who are made in his image. And all those everything that God has prophesied, everything in his word, every revelation of his teaching, every promise hangs on that love commandment. Loving God, but loving others. So if you sit here today and say, you know what, I should be able to to tap into the promises of God, the revelation of God, my my faith should be outstanding, you know, I should be blowing and growing with God. I love God. That's only part of it. If you're not loving people, you're hindering the work of God's grace in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? In in other words, if, if you receive this today, there will be nothing more important in your life then mastering the principles of walking in love, no matter what you're going through in life. Say, God loves me. I love Him. I love him. I love him. But, I but I also love people. Love people. Yeah. You say, Well, I haven't gotten past the love God, you know, part. You know, in fact, I'm kind of mad at Him. I don't seem to receive what I'm supposed to receive. Can I help you out here? Your job is not to try to figure everything out. I could point out 15 people, 20 people in this church with stories that don't make sense. It's not explainable what they've gone through. But I'll tell you this, whatever you're going through, it's not God's fault. He's the giver of life, not the taker of life. He's the blesser. He's not the one that curses. He came to redeem us from that curse. He sent His own Son to that cross for you and for me. Don't make a mistake between knowing what the devil does versus what your God does. He's a life giver. Amen? Amen. And the devil's a life taker. But I can tell you this, in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your not understanding, you just go ahead and lift up your head and say, I don't have to know, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I love God. One way or another, He's going to fix this situation. One way or another, He's going to come through in this situation because He is God. Listen to me carefully. My confidence is not in my intelligence or ability to understand. My anointing is not, have no confusion in life. But it is to trust in the one who knows everything. Yes. And if you'll do that, you'll see him. He's not the God to leave you in the hole for dead. He's not the God to turn his back on you. He's not a God that will forget his promises. Trust him. You get aggressive like that, you'll wake up one day and say, You know what? He's absolutely telling the truth about God. God can turn it around. Come on, say, God. Can turn it around. Say it with me. God God can turn it around. I say it like this. God turned it around. Say it with me. It's turned around in Jesus' name. Every time you default to confusion and quandary over what's going on and what's happening, you don't understand the things that have happened. You just shut that down, open up your mouth and say, but my God loves me. Yes, I've gone through this, but my God loves me. Yes, I faced this battle, but my God loves me. Yes, I lost a loving, but my God loves me. Yes, I had problems paying the bills, but my God loves me. Yes, I had a sit back at work, but my God loves me. Yes. Say, He loves me. Yes. Amen. We're not going to compromise our future because of something we don't understand that has happened in the natural. He is far bigger than that. You ever met a person who was a know it all? <laughs> your God is a know it all. And I'm telling you, in the midst of your faith filled declaration that my God loves me, you're going to see him move in your life. How do I know that? Because I've been there and done that about the t shirt. And I'm telling you that He is going to come through in your life. Amen. No one here can diminish your private pain. No one here can set it aside and say what you're going through is not real. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is your God is the God of the great turnaround. And I prophesy your mornings turn into dancing in Jesus' name. I said, your sorrow's turning to joy and gladness. Yes. Say, why? Because my God loves you. Your God loves you. Amen. If you believe that, give him a hand clap and bless him tonight. <laughs> you know, uh, Pastor, how come you went back to number one? Apparently, somebody needed it. We never. Get to a place where we don't need to know and remember He loves us. So, who's the first person you need to learn how to love? Yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself, which implies what? You love yourself. But in preparing for this, you know, uh, the Lord spoke very definitively to me that there are people in this room and watching online that you've gotten to the place where. You don't almost despise yourself. You do despise yourself. And the first thing you need to hear is God doesn't despise you. The household of faith doesn't despise you. I tell you, despises you, the devil. And you look in the mirror and you can't stand what you see. I can tell you this. You need to learn to value yourself the way God does. You shouldn't think of yourself more than you ought to, but you shouldn't think of yourself less than God thinks of you. And there are people that do this and they can't function. You know, you know, a lot of people that are, that, are, that are aggressive and abrasive and hard to be around and, and, and bitter at all kinds of problems in their lives in terms of getting along with people, it's not that they dislike you necessarily. They don't even like themselves. Well, you don't know what I did. You don't know about the bad choices that I made. You, well, some of them I do. I've been here a long time. <laughs> but you have no idea the things that I've gone through and, and you know... I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve to have a fresh start. Well, if you'd go to the Word and the God of the Word, you find out that He died for you too. That you would be a person who can walk in confidence before your God. You don't deserve to be forgiven, but then nobody deserves to be forgiven. Are you here today? You are far harder on yourself than anyone, including your God, and that stops the day. Amen. Turn to somebody and smile and say, "I like me." I like me. Turn to somebody else and say, "To know me is to love me. To me." And that same voice you're saying, "God loves me, God loves me," and you look in the mirror and say, "You know what? I do too." I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm in the image of God. I was made in the image of God. He has plans to prosper me, give me a future and a hope. I do not despise me. I do not dislike me. Amen. Whatever I have done that caused me to dislike myself so much, I forgive myself in Jesus' name. Because if I don't, I can't love other people. It's impossible. Most people that live a life of abuse, most people who do this, they can't stand themselves. And then their actions, of course, reinforce that. But today, you're going free in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not half as ugly as you think you are. (laughs) Pastor, does God really speak like that? Oh, yeah. You know, some of you will be challenge and encourage you to walk out of here with a handle on loving people and you'll be more effective in your life. But there are other people in this room right now, this is a lifeline to them. Not another sermon. It's, it's not another exhortation to love. They need to find out how much God loves them and then start loving themselves. Amen. Number two, love your neighbor. Smart Alec, Pharisee? Well who's my neighbor then? Well, to answer that question, Jesus told the story of the man who was robbed on the road to what? I just think you need to see the scripture with your own eyes. Turn over there with me. Go to Luke 10. I mean you're say when you're there, say I am there. Verse uh, 25, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, uh, what is written in the law? He replied, How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Yeah, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, a man with implicit hatred and racist attitudes towards the man that was beaten up as the man had towards him, And when he saw him, he took pity on him or compassion on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now turn to your neighbor and say the same thing. Go and do likewise. It's really simple here that uh, in understanding the love of God, God demonstrated His love, and that's why we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. We know the love of God is not just words. Listen carefully. The love of God is not just words. It's not situational or conditional. It's not a feeling or an emotion. It's not tolerance. God's love, shout us out, is action. Who's my neighbor? Anyone in your proximity. And what did he do? He had compassion. He gave him transportation. He bound up his wounds. He invested time. He invested money. The two people that should have done that went the other way on purpose. God help us not to have hearts that purposefully avoid demonstrating the love of God when people are in trouble. Are you here today? Amen. There was some investment involved in this, in proximity. Now, the funny thing about proximity is uh, social media technology has changed that. Now a lot more people are in proximity, proximity to you than used to be. And some of them you wish they weren't so close to you. Amen. This is a story that tells us that, you know, the love of God, the mercy of God, the covenant kindness of God is not just in mere words or sentiment. It is in action. Say, God's love through me means action. Amen. Number three, love your family. This shouldn't come as a surprise to you, but it's not uncommon for pastors to have to deal with people who love the person at the drive thru, love the person at the bank, love the people they work with, you know, treat everybody nice and treat their family like garbage. Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, do not exasperate your children or bring them up in the nurture. And admonition, the love, the compassion, the goodness of God, bring them up this way. Yes, you should be loving in proximity to that neighbor. You should be loving yourself. But your number one focus of love after your God should be your family. Your family, your home should be a place of peace in the presence of God. And that starts with the men of God. Walking with God and say, you know what, whatever's out there, I'll deal with it. But one thing I'm going to do today is I am going to love, not just with presence, not just with mere words, but with action. My family. Amen. And Kaylee here. Uh, your dad's from Ireland. I wasn't there to hear the story, but I heard it secondhand, so you can correct me if you want to. But anyway, he was talking about how they do church discipline in Ireland. (laughs) Suppose a man is mistreating his wife. I suppose it would apply to the kids as well. The elders get together in the middle of the street and they beat him to a pulp. And they tell him, if you do it again, we've got a site over at the graveyard with your name on it. And you know what the police do? Now, I'm hoping I don't have to do that today. <laughs> because I have some volunteers and they're, they're kind of big on this idea. Today, if you tell somebody to knock it off, I'm offended. You tell somebody, don't treat your family like that. Well, who do you think you are? That's my business. No, it's God's business. Amen. You should love God. Amen. You should obey Him. But your first demonstration of love should be towards your family. Amen. And That means teaching them the things of God. Amen. Upholding them in prayer and intercession. Being a man of God. Being a woman of God as a mother. Training them up in the way she put things that are that are spiritual as priorities. I'm sorry, but you don't love your kids very much if you're gonna put everything else but their spirituality first. Put their spiritual formation first. Because contrary to some of y'all out there that think your kid's gonna be the next Pele. Or play in the World Series. Or be on the women's international and USA soccer team. Probably not going to happen. But I will promise you this. Your kids are going to go through hell on earth if they don't know how to stand and believe God. You need to teach them these things. And it's primarily your responsibility to do it. That's what a pastor is supposed to say. Let me tell you something. A lot of pastors won't say these things them enough to empower them to succeed where it counts. First, spiritually. Yes. Let that be the foundation. Amen. <laughs> A couple of y'all are stuck of the image of that guy abusing his wife in the middle of the street getting beat up. Yeah. Pastor, where do I sign up for that? <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show you, though, that they take those things very, very seriously. Now, over here, I'm pretty sure they call that assault and battery. Look, can I help you out here? But God's discipline, God bearing down in your heart is far bigger than any what any man can do. Let him adjust your thinking today. Amen? Say it. Gotta love myself. Love my neighbor. Love my family. Number four, love my enemies. Yeah, the pastor, you had to go there, didn't you? It's not just somebody who's shooting at you or trying to cut you in the back. It's all kinds of things where people don't have your best interests at heart, smile at you to your face and then destroy you behind your back, that kind of a thing. There are a lot of people that are like that. Amen. Some of you are shocked to find out that some of them go to church. Say, that's the problem. These kinds of people go to church. Well, where do you think they're going to get the help at? What do you want them to do? Go down to the apple and drink themselves silly? Where are they going to get the help at? <laughs> Where there's conviction. Amen. According to what Jesus taught, we love our enemies by doing specific things like praying for them. Can do, Pastor. Lord, sick them in Jesus' name. Amen. And <laughs> You got to be careful praying that way. Your prayers should not involve God bending the will of somebody else. Witchy poo. That's nothing more than charismatic witchcraft. And Lord, make so and so, and Lord, tell so and so. I think you're confused about which one of you is God and which one is the servant. You pray. I mean, I've told this story, but one day I was riding down Chestnut over there, got to that stoplight there, that little four-way stop, and all and across from the cemetery. It had nothing to do with it, but that's where it was. And my mind just flooded with some of my best friends. You know, things I've been through. And I mean, it came like in, in a wave. And I thought, what's up with this? Remembering this one did that, and this one did that, and that one did this. And some of y'all are looking at I me mean, like, do you understand? How I many had some people do some stuff to you as well. And I'm thinking, what do I do with this? And I could hear the Holy Spirit just as clear as the bell say this when that happens, you immediately pray for them and bless them. Amen. And so I did. After a while, I sort of enjoyed it. <laughs> How long did it take you to finish the list? A long time. <laughs> and some of y'all have lists that are longer than that. But he says, You pray for them. So I pray for them. Not God's going to get them. But God's going to touch them, amen? You bless them. What does that mean? Say good things about them. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is say good things about somebody saying horrible things about you. Amen? I saw a meme the other day that said, you know, I, uh, I uh, just simply by now telling my side of the story, I saved that person's reputation. By what? By just shutting up? Say it. I pray for them. I bless them. And I do good to them. I sow a do-good seed. As the scripture says, you have hot burning coals on top of their head. When you bless somebody like that, you say, you know what? I could dump the entire container on their head and they wouldn't get the point. You're missing the point. It's just sow a good seed into their life. Some act of kindness, some service, some financial thing. Bless them somehow when you know they're antagonistic towards you. Again, it's not how you feel. Watch this. If I feel love for somebody, but I don't act love, that's not real love. If I act love, even if I still have what? Caution in my heart about that person. I'm still demonstrating more love. Because I'm doing what? I'm obeying what he said. Amen. Said I pray for him. I bless them. I do good to them. This is one of the reasons why the gospel is so hard for some people to receive. Because if somebody does something to them, they want to do what? Back at you. What do you do with them? Say it, I pray for them. I bless them. I do good to them. And that keeps you in the position. That keeps you in the love of God. That keeps you in that third dimension of love, which you so desperately need. Amen. Amen. Besides that, you get to work on your love muscle. Oh, yeah? Go ahead. I'll show what I'm going to do. I'm going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen? Look at somebody and say, I'll pump you up. <laughs> Take all those things that may have hurt you and just use them to grow and develop in this dimension of love. Glory to God. And last but not least, by any imagine, this is not an exhaustive list. Love the brethren. Amen. Love the church folk. Amen. <laughs> There's one preacher I was listening to and he said, look, don't become a Christian and start going to church if you're looking for people that aren't strange. <laughs> <laughs> he said, the strangest people are in the church. And what's funny, somebody gets born again, gets on fire for God, comes to church and expecting perfection. <laughs> expecting instant sanctification. Remember when I said that sanctification was a process? So what happens is people that come into the church are not going to be perfect. They're not going to be fully sanctified. Their hearts aren't always going to be right. Right. And their mouths aren't certainly going to always be in line. So what does that mean? You have a chance to practice your love. Amen. There's some people sitting in your row. You need to practice your love with them. (laughs) Well, I want to go to a church where people don't act like that. I'm going to go to a church where they don't talk like that. I'm going to go to a church where they're perfect, where there's never any problems. There's never any failure. Are you kidding me? You have no problem shooting off the Walmart two, three times a week. And you have to, you have to bag your own groceries when you go. How is it that the church is the only place that you want to go because there's imperfect people? Why don't you cut out every place you go to where there's imperfect people? You won't have anybody to live with. And then you'll look in the mirror and say, I'm moving out too. (laughs) A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. John 15, 12 and verse 17, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The gospel and the word from the apostle John and from Peter and others is is love the brethren. Right where they are. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to love you. Right where you are. Many people say, I'm going to love you if you start changing. Good luck with that. I'm going to change. When they change, I love them. No, your love will cause them to change. He didn't say, we would know you by your doctrinal uniformity. We would know you by your denomination. We would know you because you got everything perfectly settled. You know everything there is to know about God's word and the doctrine and you, you got perfect this and perfect that and everybody else is doing it wrong. No, you would know them by their love. When you separate from people because you don't like what somebody said or what somebody believes and you put that over love, you're demonstrating you're not walking in the third dimension of love. Amen. And it's critical that you just don't receive the love of God and then say, I love God. It's critical that you love people. Amen. He said, By this, you'll know that you're an authentic Christian. Authentic Christians, what? They love. Even when they're hurt, even when they're disappointed. Even when they're trashed, they what? They love. By this all men will know what? That you are my disciples. So i say it will be dimension number one. Loving God. Dimension number two. Knowing God. Believing God. Accepting God. Loves me. Believing God. Loves me. Dimension three. Loving people. Yeah, but pastor, that was quite a list you gave. I got to love all them people. If you want to keep dimension three. So here are the marks of the believer that's actually walking in love. Seven markers. Number one is a right attitude. There is a spirit of love about you. Amen. How many of y'all know that... Uh, if you go to Los Portales today and someone around you has been eating fajitas, when you go home, you're going to smell like a fajita. <laughs> In fact, uh, your staff member can come into church after lunch. You've been to, you've been to the fajita land, haven't you, today? <laughs> Upon every believer is an essence or an aroma spiritually. And that spirit upon us should be love, not bitterness, amen, not anger, but love. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. Mindset today, you go through something, something traumatic, tell as many people you can, even use social media to defame that person. That's not what love does. Love will put up with the wrong, even having their reputation slammed before they will rise up to dishonor another person. We're living in a culture that is yielding more to what the psychiatrist says than what the Word says. And the Word says love does not dishonor another person. So what do I got to do? Just suck it up? No, you trust God to take care of you in that situation. My prayers and any counselor so-called, any psychiatrists out there telling Christians that they should go out there and share and begin to broadcast the errors of other people as a path to healing, they're lying to you. The path to healing is the love of God. Amen. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's a tough one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Say that by faith. I have an attitude and a spirit of love about me. Now, it answers up the question, how are you doing based on Paul's test? Do you smell like a spiritual fajita? Or worse? (laughs) Or do you smell like the love of God? Amen. Number two, you respond rather than react. James chapter 1. The apostle says you need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Let's all say that together. Slow to speak. Say it with me again, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. Is there anybody in this here room today ever did the opposite? <laughs> Every head bowed. <laughs> Watch this. Uzziah the king raged at the priests who confronted him. And his response was not in accordance with the word of God. And he lost everything. Saul, same thing. Wrong kind of response. Just reacted in the flesh and lost everything. Moses reacted in the flesh. He didn't respond appropriately. Spoke rash things in the hearing of God and dishonored God in the eyes of the people. It didn't go into the promised land. Amen. Say it one more time. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Um, We know, according to what Paul said, that the anger of man does not work about the righteous life that God desires. So if it doesn't work about the righteous life of God desires, what does anger do? What do other emotions that are out of control do for you and for me? They work an unrighteous life. Amen. Say it with me. I smell like love. I respond rather than react. Number three, there's no fear operating in my life. Why? Because the Bible says perfect fear. I mean, perfect love casts out. How many fears? All fears. Say it. Perfect fear. No. Perfect love. Yes, we may have perfected our fear. <laughs> the perfect love casts out all fear. Be aware of this, including the master of fear, according to Hebrews 2, people all their life being afraid of death. Raise your hand if you say, you know what, I know for sure that I'm a Christian, I'm born again, I know where I'm going. Raise it up high and don't be ashamed if you know you're born again. Nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, you just thank God every day. You've had the new birth. If you raise your hand, you should not be afraid of death. We're delivered from that master of fear from which all other fears spring from. Every type of fear, phobia, hang up, every kind of situation where there's insecurity, all these things derive from that master of fear. But I want to tell you something in addition to the fact that you should be afraid to die. You should not be afraid for anybody in your life to die. It is great that you aren't afraid to die, but you should not allow fear in your heart towards other people dying. What if it's not right with God? Well, do your best to pray for them and witness to them. In the end, it's their choice. I lost about 95% of you there, so I'm going to rewind. (laughs) You should not be afraid to die. And residual phobias in Christians' lives are tied to a residual fear of death. Anybody here a little claustrophobic? Raise your hand. Someone's <laughs> going to tell me because you're afraid of what I'm going to do. <laughs> you can be honest. A little claustrophobic? Anybody here a lot claustrophobic? Well, we brought a coffin in here today just for this particular test. We? <laughs> I mean, y'all hate to go get an MRI. It looks like a circular coffin, doesn't it? Ooh, we opened up a wound there, didn't we? How <laughs> me you thank God you can pray in the Holy Ghost when you go get an MRI? <laughs> and they put on some worship music and they're strapping you in and locking your head. And then they slowly bring you into the tube, And what are you thinking? Irrationally, they're going to kill me. <laughs> they're going to flat kill me into the tube. I'm not coming out again. They're going to kill me. Now, you don't have to enjoy the experience. But if you ever go in again, you open up your mouth and say, I don't have a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind, perfect love does what? Casts out all fear. So while we may not enjoy something, we should not be getting into fear. So say next time you go to something like that, you're in a situation, maybe it's a tiny you know, elevator, what it is. I know people who get freaked out going to a car wash. The big spider thing comes down and all of a sudden you hear and you're stuck in the middle and there's a car behind you and a car in front of you. Come on, Spidey. Do your thing. And then lo and behold, the guy comes running down the track, hits the button, it goes back on again. Praise the Lord. I wasn't afraid at all. Bless God, I wasn't afraid at all. Yeah, I hit a wrong nerve here. So let me dig just a little deeper then. Think about it from a spiritual standpoint. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that you can happen? Next time say, I don't have a spirit affair. And if you're going to kill me in this tube, absent from the body and present with the Lord. Hallelujah. And... Don't you dare send me a bill for this. (laughs) No. And in some cases, you get two bills. Shout out, I don't have a spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. Every little remnant fear operating in your life, you need to drive it out with the word and drive it out with the love of God because the marker of a person that's walking in love is they're not walking around in fear all the time. You don't have to walk around in stupidity to prove it. But don't walk around in fear. Amen. Shout it out, no fear here. No fear here. I was... Somewhere the other day with Kelly and a family of four <laughs> got out of the car. They were eating. And when they got back into the car, after they left where the public was, they went back into their cars and they all put masks on, including the driver. And I wanted to ask them, okay, which one of you is infected? Because the only four people in your car Are you? I'm sorry, but watching Grandma drive down the road with a mask on and she's the only one in the car? That is a picture of a spirit of fear. You never know, Pastor, I might uh, infect myself on the way over to the grocery store. How does that work? And it didn't help. The entire COVID season injected a big dose of fear into everyone. Time to kick it back out again. Use wisdom. Follow your convictions on these things. But fear should not be a conviction. Fear should be driven out of your life. Amen. Driving Miss Daisy. (coughs) What is this? Number four? Your heart is at rest, peace, and joy. It's impossible to have a heart at rest and at peace and of joy when you have internally strive for a war going on with somebody else. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace be with you. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being uh, united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any common Sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. What happens is you can see when someone is walking in love, there is peace there, there is joy there, there is rest. If you're anxious all the time, if you're uptight all the time, it's because your love walk needs to be refined. Amen. So I'm full of peace, full of joy, full of peace. Full of joy, I'm at, I'm at rest. You see, when you come out of love, it's hard to be in restful state. It's hard to walk around in joy, uptight all the time. Yes, Amen. Look at somebody and say, "You look like you're at rest." <laughs> if you look around, you might even find one resting. Please. <laughs> Man, they've been—they're in so much love right now. They're just. <laughs> They're snoring they're having so much love right now. Glory to God. (laughs) Real quickly tonight, quick to forgive others. Say quick to forgive. How fast? That fast. Above all, keep loving one another. 1 Peter 4, 8. Earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you, as Paul said in Ephesians. Forgive as you have been forgiven is what Jesus taught in Matthew 18. And I need to make sure you understand this dynamic. Because lately I've been hearing this, really it's, I don't want to call it, heresy, it's too strong of a word, it's just misguided is what it is. Forgiveness is not a process. Shout that out. Forgiveness Forgiveness is not not a a process. All that is is you giving yourself permission to hang on to unforgiveness. How do I know that? Because all of our touchstones, all of our empowerments, everything we should be is reflected in God. Thank God Jesus doesn't look at us and say, I'm in the process of forgiving you. Aren't you glad he's not in the process of forgiving you? How dare us turn around and say, well, I'm in the process of forgiving that other person. It's not a process. It's a decision. It tries to come up on you. you say, no, I forgive in Jesus' name. That is not a process. That is a daily decision. It's the same thing when you have a, a pain or something come up. You say, no, in Jesus' name, by his stripes, I am healed. I reject this. And it comes back a week later. What do you do? You reject it. You you make the redemption real time in your life. I'm in the process of getting saved. You're either saved or you're not. So be careful listening to stuff out there. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The word of God is infallible. The word of God is not reproachable. Man's thoughts are out there and they are full of error. Shout it out. Forgiveness is a decision. It is not a process. Isn't it funny? We want instant forgiveness, but we want to process everybody else. That is what we would call a grand rationalization in the body of Christ. Amen. If you don't forgive them from your heart, Jesus... Said, Amen. Number six. Anybody here taking notes? Am I on the right number? Praise the Lord. Your love is in action, not just words or feelings. Let us not love with words or speech, but with action and in truth. First John three eighteen. This means if my mouth loves but I don't act, then I'm lying to myself and I'm lying to others. Jesus didn't say to the multitude, I love y'all. Good night. How did he demonstrate love that day? He fed them. He fed them. He did not turn to the man called Bartimaeus and say, I love you, Bartimaeus. I'm going to die for you. Now go back to your beggar's cloak. He acted. Words are powerful and should be used, but words have to have action backing them up. Does that make sense? Support with a poor widow woman in the famine, days of the famine. God sends the prophet to him and says, hey, make me a cake and give me something to drink because I'm hungry. And he told me to tell you he loves you, but he ain't gonna do nothing for you. No, we love in what? In action. Say, my love is demonstrated. You didn't tell Bartimaeus, I just love you and I have a nice life. He said, what do you want me to do for you? How many of you like to have that kind of encounter? You actually do ask anything in my name and I will do it. Let me just repeat these for you before I give you the last one. The right attitude, say it. I smell like the love of God. <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, you smell like you've been to Hope Harbor Church today. Yes, you do. Amen. You respond rather than react. You're not walking in fear. Your heart is at rest at peace and joy. You're quick to forgive others. Your love is in action. Number seven, your faith is working. Amen. Say, my faith Amen. is working. I'm explaining this to you just as simply as I can. My faith, the Bible says, according to Galatians, works by love. It's energized, it's operating, it's empowered by love. Without love, my faith is sterile. It is powerless. It is ineffectual. You will never get to the place where I'm great in faith and don't care about love. They work hand in hand. Faith and patience works hand in hand. I am walk in faith, but then I, what? I'm diligent, constant, consistent. But your love literally will not work if you do not, your, your faith will not work if you're not walking in love. First dimension, I've gotta believe that God loves me or my faith's not gonna work. But that's not all. I have to love Him according to His command or my faith is not going to produce. And number three, I have to love other people or my faith is not gonna produce. Listen to me carefully. All three of these dimensions must be consistently in your life if you want your faith to work optimally. If you don't care about your faith working, then fine. Don't be concerned about treating people the way God treats them. Don't be concerned about how you're responding in your family, how you're dealing with things when people hurt your feelings. Don't be concerned about that. If you don't care about your faith working, then don't care about that. But do me a favor, when you reject God's love and you reject obeying Him and keeping His commands and when you reject, you know, the command to love other people, don't you dare say the thing you're going through God did to you. He won't answer me. He won't respond. He won't bless. He won't work in my life. Go back to love. I can tell you this, if it's not working, it's not always your faith. More often than not, it's your love walk. but I can choose to love God. I can choose to believe He loves me and I can choose to love people. Amen. Glory to God. Can you receive that? Yes. So shout this out. Faith, Faith works, works by, by, by love. love. What does that mean? Faith works by the fact that I love God, He loves me and I love other people. Some of you thinking, if we could just only love God and get away with that. <laughs> you got to love people too. Yeah, and I'm telling you this. Whatever someone's done to you or said to you is not worth your faith being bankrupt. Watch this. What they did or said is a slice in time. You're going to penalize yourself for all of your adult waking life on this earth in terms of your faith because of what they did? Look at somebody and say, no, I'm not. Come on, say I have the aroma of love. And then I'm going to get some fajitas. (laughs) Come on, give him a shout and a hand clap as you stand to your feet today.